Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Abba Father. We welcome the congregation. We welcome those who are at home, who are traveling on the way. The Lord is with us. And so we welcome you this morning. Indeed, this is the day that the Lord has made, so we can rejoice. And be glad in him. Oh, what a beautiful day. This morning in Texas, it's gorgeous. We have clouds and blue sky. <laughs> Wonderful weather. This is not the norm. So we just want to praise the Lord for this awesome weather. And we just want to praise the Lord for his goodness. We want to come into the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving. Thanking him for how good he is to us. Thanking him for preserving us. Through the midst of the storm, through the midst of the valley, Lord, you have preserved us. And thank you. Thank you for health and strength and your provision and protection and guidance throughout this week. Thank you, Lord, that we are healthy and we are able to move about. Thank you, Lord, that we have our sanity, Lord. Lord, that we are emotionally stable, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that we have peace because our mind is stayed upon you. Thank you, Lord God, that we look to you in all our circumstances and believe that our hope is in you. Thank you, Lord, that we rejoice. We rejoice because you said rejoice always in all circumstances. And so, Lord, we come with hearts of gratefulness and thanksgiving, giving you thanks because you are good. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation, you are God and there is no other God. You are who will remain God today. You are the God of yesterday and you are the God of tomorrow. Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful for the opportunity to be able to come and to worship you, Lord. Lord, we worship you as we go about our business in the week. But on this day, Lord, we take time out to just magnify your name. We magnify you daily. But Lord, we come together as a corporate body to come to Lord to just say you are awesome. You are great. And there is no other God but you. You are the great I am. 
When you say something, it happens. When you speak and when you create, it is because you say it, Lord. And you will it and you speak it into be, Lord. Speak your will in our lives as we go about our business, Lord. Speak your will in our lives. Lord, Father God, we pray, oh God, that our hearts will be in line with you. As we constantly renew and transform our minds, Lord God, that we will know your good and perfect will. But Lord, we say, have your own way in this time, Lord. Speak, Lord, you are listening. We are listening to you, Father. Abba, you are good and you are awesome. Words cannot describe you. And so, Lord, come and have your way. Lord Jesus, we pray for those who are listening, Lord. For those who are listening near and far. We pray, Lord God, in their situations, Lord God, that you will be touching them in a new and a fresh way, Lord God. Lord, that you would speak with clarity, with precision, that their minds and their hearts will be at a place that they understand and accept and believe. Lord, let your will be done and let your kingdom come in all our lives, O oh God, despite our circumstances. Thank you, Lord, that you are good and there is no other God but you. I would just like to read Psalm 37 from 1 to 6 it says do not fret because of evildoers nor be envious of the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. Thank you, Father, that you are good. Thank you, Lord, that you're awesome. Thank you, Lord God, that the truth is words cannot describe you. You're indescribable. Thank you. And so did our hearts, my heart right now is just so welled up. On my way to church this morning, I was wearing a sunshade. And I looked on the ground. And with a naked eye, you're not able to see the crisscross of the snails but because I had my glasses on I could see where it crawled and how much of it was the, 
the debris of the snail was on the ground. And the Lord says to me, this is how I protect you and this is how I do things. You might not see it, but he's still working. And when I looked on the amount of, I don't know what it is like sludge, but it looks silver on the pavement. But with my naked eye, I could not see it. The Lord is working out his will in our lives. Let us give thanks for indeed you are an awesome God.
Yesterday we had choir rehearsal, but now we can sing it for real. Come on, help us sing this song. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, everybody. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. He goes before me. Defender behind me. Defender behind me. Y'all been practicing. I won't fear. I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. Thank you, Jesus. My cup's overflowing. My cup's overflowing. My victory, my victory, my victory. 
What can we do but to offer ourselves as living sacrifice unto the Lord? So we offer ourselves up to you, Lord, as living sacrifice. May we not take ourselves and remove ourselves from the altar, but to offer ourselves to you, God, as you work, as you live. May we lay down our lives before you, Lord, and you come and live through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning again. Good morning. Thank you, Lord, for another Sunday, another day in, this, in, in which we can worship the Lord and give thanks unto His name. For His good and His mercies endure forever and ever. So, good morning, one and all, as we continue in our time of worship where we are doing our tithes and offerings. But there's something I want to share before we get into it. Um, there was a, I would say like an inspiration or a word that came to me during the week. And the word was committed but not connected. And as I could remember the Pharisees and all the scribes and everybody who are committed to the work. But when Jesus came, there wasn't a connection to him. And so it is that he has his disciples and they also did not understand the connection. But it was until the Holy Spirit came that they understand what their commitment was. Because when Jesus was crucified, they left thinking that it was over. It, it was indeed finished because Jesus said it was finished. But the work had to continue because it says greater things um, they shall do and we shall do also. So as we get into the word, it's um, from Malachi 3 verses Okay, I'm going to start from verse 6 all the way down to 11. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from mine ordinances, and I have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, Where, wherein shall we return? Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there be meat in mine house, and prove me now therein, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, 
that they shall not be room enough to receive it. And I, the Lord, will rebuke the devourer for your name's sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your wine cast its fruit before time. In the field, says the Lord of hosts. So Lord, we, we thank you again for speaking to us. Lord, we thank you again for the, the holy connection that we have through your spirit. So Lord, that you can remind us to return to you. To return everything that belongs to you. And you, Lord, will provide. You, Lord, will protect. You, Lord, will be the light unto our path. So we thank you, Lord. And as we prepare to give our tithe and offering, take in the ministry of this song. Be blessed.
you, Lord, for these offerings and tithe that we present to you. We thank you indeed for your goodness to us. We thank you indeed that you first came to establish this relationship. And Lord, you always promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us in every era of our lives. That you'll be with us always. So Lord, we are so thankful and so grateful for the opportunity to present back to you in which you are prescribed. So Lord, we pray that you will continue to bless the offering, bless the church, bless the ministry, and anybody that's associated with it. So Lord, we thank you indeed for your goodness and the progression of grace and faith in which you are establishing us. Because Lord, we know that the, you have already won. We know that you are already victorious in us. And we are just walking out the fullness of your goodness. So that means, Lord, we will always have joy in any situation. That, Lord, we will always be thinking with the glass positively full. So, Lord, indeed, we want you to fill us with your spirit. Fill us with overflowing that nothing that is not of you shall reside. Because, Lord, when light comes, darkness is gone. There's no hint of darkness with you. You are all-consuming light. So heaven is a place where you are and where your fullness is. So we thank you that we can, we can enjoy heaven here on earth because you're here. So Lord, we thank you again for your manifested presence here with us as we come and gather to worship you. Lord, we thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Father, we just thank you for another morning. Another morning, as Kurt just mentioned, Lord, where you have called us to be faithful. Because you, our God, is faithful. And Lord, because we are called to imitate you, Lord. Whatever you do, we should do. The way you do it, Lord, we should do it. And so this morning, Lord, we recognize that you're calling us out into the deep to trust you more. To trust you when we do not know what the next minute holds. And so, Father, I thank you that this morning you are with us. I thank you, Father, that we can have that confidence that our God is with us. And whether we feel like it or not, Lord, we know the truth is that you are with us. Lord, I'm mindful of those this morning who may not be at that place, but that they, Lord, may be discouraged. I pray, Father, that you will come. And as we commit our cares and our burdens to you, Lord, you will make a way. 
Lord, the word says, trust in you and you will do this. And so, Father, I just thank you this morning for your presence. I thank you for your joy. I thank you for your peace. I thank you, Father, that our joy and our peace is not dependent upon everything going well. Because the Prince of Peace came and he said, my peace I give unto you. And so, Father, I just bless your name this morning. Father, I just honor your name this morning. Father, I just worship you this morning, God, because I choose to worship you. I choose to offer to you this morning a living sacrifice, God. I choose to go beyond the beyonds. I choose not to conform to the patterns of this world, but I choose to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I may be able to test and approve your will, not only for me, but for any leech. And so, Father, I thank you this morning, God, that your plans for us supersede our ability to even think or to even imagine. And so, Father, I bless your name this morning. I thank you, Lord, that even as I speak, it will be your words this morning, God. So, Lord, you know what to do. You know what to do, God. And so, Father, I just bless your name and I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. I just thought about um, how God works. I prepared, I thought I had something prepared and printed up till Friday evening, Saturday morning, and then felt like woke up, ready to go back over it and just to, to look at it, and I just felt like the Lord was saying, no, that's not it, that's not it. What you prepared was for you. And so, scrambling, and this morning went to bed, what, after four? Trying to hear what the Lord is saying to present this morning. And so, this morning we want to look at Ephesians 5, verse 1 to, verses, sorry, 1 to 20. And the topic of our message this morning is living unwise or wise. And actually it's a question. Are you living as those who are unwise? Or are you living as those who are wise? Ephesians 5 verse 1 starts and says, Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'm reading from the NIV, the new NIV translation. But among you, there must not be even an insight of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be, be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, as any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is what it says. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There endeth the reading of God's holy word. And so this morning we're looking at Ephesians and we recognize that Ephesians was written by Paul. And Paul, Paul, he says, Paul the apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And at the time he was writing the letter, Paul was a prisoner. He was under house arrest in Rome because he was preaching the gospel. And what I noted that even though he was not free to go, Paul was not concerned with his condition. Paul was more concerned with encouraging and empowering the believers, which we call the saints of, of Ephesus and the faithful in Christ who were around the world, which also happened to be us. And I thought about that, but when I'm undergoing my struggle and my situation, am I in the, in the mode of encouraging others or do I keep myself, I'm so caught up with me that all I can think about is me and what is happening to me. But we see Paul setting an example where even in the midst, because if you're in prison, there's no, no, no one knows the end result or the outcome. But Paul did not waste any time. Actually, he took the moment to encourage those that are believers, those who came to Christ because he brought the gospel. And he wrote encouraged them how to live. And he gave, the, gave them instructions. In Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, Paul explains the wonderful blessings received after being united with Christ. And he encouraged the church to respond to God's love by trusting in him. When we respond to God's love, Paul tells us that he provides his Holy Spirit to enable us to live according to his ways so that his plan and purpose becomes our mission. And that is what the church is. The church is, 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 is the mission or the ministry of God's plan and God's will being manifested on this earth. In chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul describes how Christians should conduct their lives. He says, conduct your life by Christ's new standards. Living as children of light and working together with each other to bring about unity in the body of Christ. Because with each privilege that we have as being a child of Christ, there comes the responsibility. And so this morning we want to focus on Ephesians 5 from verse 15 to 18 which speaks about be very careful. Paul said be very careful how you live, not as, not as unwise, but as wise. 
And as I thought about it, I recognized there, there are two wisdom because even though Paul said unwise, you realize what Paul is calling unwise is what some would have said that's wisdom. And so there are two kinds of wisdom. There's worldly wisdom and there's a godly wisdom. To live a worldly wisdom is to, is to, be, is to live unwise, is to live foolish. But to live from God's wisdom is to be wise. The unwise man cannot accept the message of the cross. Because Ephesians says it is foolishness to him. According to Psalm 14.1, the fool said in his heart, there is no God. So how does a believer carry, carry out the instruction of Paul to live wisely rather than unwise? James 3.13-18 asks, who is wise and understanding among you? Let their wisdom reflect the divine wisdom of God. Because Christ Jesus has become for us, according to 1 Corinthians 1.30, that Christ Jesus has become for us the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, wise believers fear the Lord. And pay attention to how they conduct their lives, ensuring that they honor and obey God in everything they do. According to Proverbs 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Wise believers live and walk circumspectly, because they are made new in the attitude of their mind. In Ephesians 4, 17 and, and verse 23, Paul insists that believers must no longer live the way they did in the futility or the futile way of thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and they are separated from the life of God because they have put off their old selves and are made new in the attitude of their minds. Paul also says that those who are wise imitate God by living a life of love according to Ephesians 5 verse 2 and by living as children of light Ephesians 5 8 because their actions reflect their faith and goodness and God's goodness so why believers demonstrate their wisdom through the way they live they act and think a wise believer is humble a wise believer is teachable a wise believer is pure in thoughts, peace-loving and considerate, submissive, that beautiful word, submissive. A wise believer is full of mercy, impartial and sincere, while shunning the ways of the unwise. And we know that those who are unwise are envious, they are proud, they are selfish, they are boastful, they are quick-tempered and they deny the truth. Wise believers have self-control. Their actions are influenced by God and not by the world. Therefore, in the midst of a situation, a negative situation, those who are unwise would be quick to respond. While according to Proverbs 20, 29 verse 11, those who, he says, he says, a fool gives vent to his feeling, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Wise believers live lives of purpose and courage and they shun evil. Are you considered 
a wise believer or an unwise believer. In, in speaking to the saints in Ephesus and those saints that Paul wrote to, which are us, the church, that would continue for years long after Paul um, died or went to sleep, depending on the, the way we look at it. He was writing and he's saying, for you to be wise, these are some of the things you do. And he gave them specific instructions in verse 15 to verse 20. He said, those who are wise make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And what does it mean to make the most of every opportunity? He says, in essence, he's saying, seize the moment and redeem the time. We seize every moment because there is a sense of urgency. Because of the of evil's pervasiveness in the last days. It takes wisdom to recognize an opportunity and to seize it. Because many a time, many a day, if we stop and we look back, we say, oh, I could have done that. Or I should have done that. Those are missed moments, missed opportunities. But Paul is saying, make every opportunity. Seize every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It also takes a wise person or a person of, 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 with godly wisdom to recognize that the days are evil. Because if we are not intentional with what we do, if we are not intentional with what we do with our time, if we are not intentional any at all, we run the risk of wasting the moments that God presents before us. We run the risk of dishonoring God by not doing, by disobeying, because we are busy doing what we want to do and missing out on what he has called us to do. If we are not intentional, we will fall into temptation. And I remember growing up, where my used to hear my grandmother said, the devil finds work for idle hands. And she would always say to you, keep doing, keep doing things. Because once you're sitting down, once you're idle, once you're not in the will of God and doing what he has called you to do, trust me, the devil is going to find work for you. He causes you to worry in those moments when you are not doing what God is calling you to do. He causes you to, to be busy doing things that seem urgent when God is calling us to the things that are important. And they call that the tyranny of the, ur of, of the, of the urgent. Paul is saying, stop and think. Have you been using the opportunities God has provided for you to serve him? Or have you missed out on them and have served yourself? If we fill our lives with the things that do not matter, it leaves us with very little time for the important things. The things that are important. I remember my aunt, she died, what, about 13 years ago? Yeah, 13 years ago. She was only 50 at the time, and I remembered when she died, her daughter was 13. And we wondered, why would God have taken her home so early? Because she had a young child to raise. She had such a bright future. Academically, she was there. She had... She had two undergrad and a master's. 
spiritually she was growing she was very involved she was the the, the, the pr for the for the church of god of prophecy worldwide in her in her secular job she was growing and you wonder but if she's at this place why would god have taken her and i remember when she died my mother she had it so hard because she said i i have so many patients that i'm looking after that are so old and sick and some of them want to die and yet they lived when her sister died who had so much more to do and was so young but when we stopped and we examined it my aunt accomplished a lot when you look at the different areas in her life she had accomplished things in every area of her life and it's like God is saying that you have run, run your race and although it may seem short in our eyes as family members and those who are friends to God she has tripped our race is over so whatever opportunities she would have missed they cannot be redeemed and at 50 her life was taken and I'm also thinking about Carlene Carlene was only 43 Carlene had so much when you heard other is that when you sat in the funeral and we heard persons talk about Carlene that's how everybody went like this because we all knew the same Carlene that person were talking about we knew that girl we knew that girl who was so helpful and had so much promises Carlene always wanted to help even in the midst of what she's going through Carlene is the first to volunteer and you realize that 43 God says your race is over she cannot redeem the opportunities that she missed if she missed any and so Paul is saying to us that those who are wise believers who are wise make the most of every opportunity that God presents before them because the days are evil and he's saying the days are evil so, so don't be caught up with you do what God has called you to do it is told that this man Philip Melanchon which is Martin Luther's best friend kept a diary of every wasted moment he had and he was so displeased with himself that he took this list to the Lord and he confessed and he confessed every time he missed an opportunity that he thought that God presented to him whether it was driven by fear or disobedience or whatever it was it was self-serving and he said for every time he missed an opportunity and he looked back he went to the Lord and said forgive me because I cannot redeem those opportunities that, are, that I have missed and so going forward what do you want to see happen in your life before you die think about it what do you want God to accomplish in you before you die and as you think about it also think what are the steps that you need to take what are the things that you need to do towards those things happening in Psalms 90 verse 12, Moses says, Teach us to consider our morality so that we may live it wisely. Teach us to live. Teach us to live. A different version said, Teach us to, 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 to number our days so that we may live it wisely. If you and I recognize that our time on earth is short, we would spend less time thinking about the temporary 
and more time working toward the thing that are eternal. I remember Francis Chan showed an, an, an example where he had this very long rope which I can use this as a, the, the cord, the microphone cord to demonstrate. And he said, imagine that this cord is eternity. So eternity begins the moment you gave, gave your life to the Lord, right? And he said, from there to here, this is where you would live on earth. But this is what you will spend with God. And he said, we spend so much time dealing with this and missing out on this. And it's what we do in this space that causes us to enjoy this. And when I, when I saw that demonstration that he, it was, I would say at least six years ago I saw it. I never forgot it. We spend more time working with the things that are temporal. And I'm guilty of it. I spend more time enjoying things that will not last. Spend time dealing with the urgent and the things that are in my face where God is saying to you, no, make the most of the opportunity that I present to you. Thank you, Lord. Because the thing that are eternal lasts forever. Colossians 4 5 says, Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, treating them as something precious. Bend backwards without sinning so that you will win their respect and lead them by the way you live and speak to desire relationship with God. I stopped and I, and I thought about Jesus' life, 33 years, eh? but only three years of it was ministry. And Jesus accomplished in three years what most of us will never accomplish in a, in a lifetime, even up to 90 years. But and I think about why and how did he accomplish it? Jesus was intentional. He knew that he came to do a particular task. And all he was concerned about was bringing glory to the Father. All he was concerned, he said, Father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do in John 17. And so how do I make the most of every opportunity that God has presented to me? I do it by imitating Christ. I become intentional. I seek to know God's will. And that's my next point. It takes wisdom to understand God's will. And the man or woman who does not understand God's will. Ephesians 5 said is foolish. According to Colossians 1.26, the mystery of God's will, which was hidden for ages and generations is now revealed to believers through Christ Jesus and Romans 12 2 tells us that those who do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world having their minds transformed and renewed will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will therefore knowing God's will is not, a, is not rocket science 
But it is made clear only to believers who spend the time to seek God. And, and while you're seeking Him, is that you come offering your body to Him as a living sacrifice. It's not about coming now because you need something. It's about living the way He calls us to live. So that His will will be constantly before. Because the closer you are, I keep thinking about the shower. If I stand under the shower, I get all of that water coming to me. But if I stand at the other end of the tub, I'm going to have to wait until the water comes and, and, and the hole cannot, the drain cannot, it is clogged up for it to run down to the bottom. But if I need God to know God's will for my life, I have to be in, the, in that place. Not only going to him when I'm having difficulty. Or not going to him when I need something from him. But living in that place. According to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says it is God's will for us to give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says it is God's will that we be sanctified. 1 Peter 2.15 says it is God's will that we do not that we do good because when we do, we silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So is there something specific? That you need to know from God. James 1.5 says. If you ask. If you lack wisdom. Ask God. And God is the one who gives generously to all. Without finding fault. And it will be given to him. So ask him. What is it that you need to know this morning. That is specific to your life. James says ask. Lack wisdom. Ask. Because God gives it generously. And my fourth point this morning is. Those who are wise. Are filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 18. Paul commands believers to not get drunk on wine. Which leads to debauchery. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm realizing he did not say to be full. Because to be full speaks of something that's already attained and has nowhere to go. But he said, be filled, which speaks of something that is continuous. It's a repeated event. It's not a one-time experience. And Paul, it begins by contrasting drunkenness with being filled. And though as he contrasts it, he realizes that there's an implied relationship between a drunk man, drunk man and a believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2.30 we see the similarity where after the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Some made fun of them and said they have had too much, too, too, too much wine. However, while there are similarities in both conditions, they are directly opposite of each other because the substance is different. A man who is drunk with alcohol is a man who, as he drinks and he reaches to his, to his limit, the alcohol rapidly absorbs into the blood and moves to all parts of the body. And it is said within five to ten minutes of drinking, it takes control. It influences him and it alters the way and his thinking and his conduct, resulting in desire for sensual and bodily pleasures. Excessive alcohol cons consumption is detrimental and destructive. On the other hand, the Holy Spirit within a very short time can do the same. It occupies an individual who is totally surrendered 
And he too comes and he controls and he influences and he alters the thought life and the conduct of the individual. Producing clear thoughts. Wisdom beyond human ability and it's beneficial because it produces fruit and life and peace. So where alcohol is destructive and detrimental, the Holy Spirit produces fruit, life and peace. Being drunk with alcohol gives a temporary high. While being filled with the Holy Spirit gives lasting joy. Paul presented a better option to the believer. Instead of, instead of drinking excessively. Because they never drank to get, get rid of their problems than some do. They drank hoping to get wisdom from the gods. That is why they drank in the Ephesians, the people in Ephesus. That's why they drank. They, 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 drank. they drank having communion with the gods. Hoping that they can receive knowledge. But Paul is saying, instead of doing that, to seek knowledge from common G God that, that cannot help you, why not be filled with the Holy Spirit? Being filled with the Holy Spirit is foundational to our Christian life because there is nothing we can do without the Holy Spirit. There is nothing we need more than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit equips and empowers he equips and empowers believers graciously for spiritual work and ministry in the church to serve God's purpose as God determines according to God's will and for the common good. However, to be filled requires a life that is totally surrendered. Similar to how that man sit down and he drinks and as he feels better, he decides. There's a point when he knows that I can quit. But he, because of how he's feeling, he wants more. And so he takes another shot and he takes another shot until he's now consumed and, he thinks, and the alcohol takes him over. And the same thing Paul is saying. When you have tasted the Holy Spirit, you're going to want more. And you're going to want more. The Holy Spirit empowers believers to become effective witnesses of God in the world according to Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Believers in Christ will supernaturally do what they cannot do or could not do when they are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, there are two roles, major roles that the Holy Spirit plays. He comes and he indwells believers. And he fills a belief. And I wanted to demonstrate this morning what the Holy Spirit does. The day that difference, let me explain the difference. The indwelling is where when the individual comes and accepts Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and he indwells. Eh? Ephesians 1.13b tells you that having believed you are marked with him. In him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, with a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. But a man who is filled is consumed. And so this morning I want to demonstrate what it looks like. So imagine that this is you and I before we came to the Lord. 
And so, we have different things. So you can see the different color of the balls, right? We have white balls, we have yellow, orange, blue, green. We have polka dots. So these are all the different things and the fleshly things inside of us. So think about it. So this is you with all the things inside of you. What we would call the stuff. This the sinful nature in us. And when we give our lives to the Lord, he, the Holy Spirit comes and he indwells us. And this is what Paul says. Paul says it's a deposit guaranteeing us of our inheritance in Christ. So the Holy Spirit is inside of us, but all the stuff are still there, right? But the moment you surrender, the moment you surrender your life to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and he starts to fill you. And the more he fills you, the more the things inside of you start to go because they cannot occupy the same space. I packed it too tight. <laughs> That's the problem, that one. And he comes and he fills 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 and, he fills and, he fills and then even the thing that remain he, he, he will even remove them. But what happens is that the Holy Spirit cannot be, you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit and still have these things inside of you. Because whatever he comes into, whatever best we surrender to him, he occupies fully. But if you, are, if you find that you still have all of these going on every day and, 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 and when the Lord and, and you have no conviction about what you're doing and you do them over and over and people will say that's, that's how I am, that's me. It means that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the filling of the Holy Spirit was, was sovereignly given. We saw in Exodus 31 and different ones where when, 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 when the temple was being built, God said to Moses, I have filled this man, Be Bezalel. I'm, gonna, I'm not sure if my pronunciation is good. I have filled him with the artistic designs and whatever he needs to do so that he, the kind of craftsmanship that is needed. And the same thing for David. He said, the Holy Spirit came upon David and he had the power to rule. Zechariah, to give a prophecy, the Holy Spirit came upon him. But in the New, New Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to those who were spiritually yielded to God. Last week, I, I mentioned that there is never a time in the Bible, in scriptures, that we read that someone was filled with the Holy Spirit. And something miraculous or supernatural didn't occur. And we realize for you and I to live that way and for us to, to be. because so, so we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, fill me up, Lord, fill me up. But fill me up comes when those stuff, when God revealed those stuff in our lives and said to us, those things have to go. I cannot be in you. 
I cannot be in you and you realize if, 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 the, country, if the vessel is filled, the balls have to flow. They cannot go and submerge and take back space. And the Holy Spirit is saying, if I am in you, if I am fully in you, there is no space for your stuff. Because even as they come and I reveal them, you don't even desire to have them. You want to give them to me. And so the question I ask you this morning, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Or do you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because we cannot continue to live. I cannot continue to live with only the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough. It is not enough. It is not enough to be just to be indwelled. Because every believer is indwelled. I want to be filled. But we cannot be filled without surrender. We cannot be filled unless we come and we give God all of me. John Legend's song, I keep remembering it, he says, All of me, I give you all of me with my whatever, whatever. I don't know the word, but I know that part got me. All of me, all of me, loves all of you with my perfect whatever, whatever, something. And that is what God is saying to us. Whatever I come into, whatever vessel I come into, if you are inviting me in and you are come Holy Spirit, fill me up. We must be emptied of self. And that is what surrender looks like. He's saying, God, all of me I am giving to you. And I stopped and I think and I thought, I said, when last have God done something supernatural through me? When was the last time God used me to do something that I could not have done in my natural self? Because it needs surrender. I cannot be filled unless I am totally surrendered. And so there are people who are satisfied with us living with the indwelling. Just a little trip to the deposit which guarantees. But I am mindful that I cannot live that way. And so in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I recognize that there are hindrances that come with us being, not being filled. If there are unconfessed sins in our lives, if, there, if we are disobedient to God, if we have disbelief or resist God's will, 
or if we are relying on ourselves and we are living an unsurrendered life, the Holy Spirit cannot come in to fill us. First John 1 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Injure another injurance to the Holy Spirit. Occupying is where we quench the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 5.19 says we quench the Spirit by treating prophecy with contempt. So Paul said instead of quenching, store up the gift according to 2 Timothy 1.6-7. Store up the gift that is inside of you that came by the laying on of hands. Another way we hinder the Holy Spirit from occupying and filling and using and leading and guiding us is that we grieve him. According to Ephesians 4.30, we grieve the Spirit. But Paul says, walk in the Spirit and do not satisfy the desires of the flesh. Another way we, we are injuring the Spirit from occupying is that we neglect the gift that we are given. So we, God gives us and we feel no need to use it. We just operate and there's no need to spend the time to develop what he has given us. Or we don't even like the gift. I've heard persons say, no, I prefer that gift to that gift. And, and I am guilty of it too. There are things that I prefer, prefer than what I think I got. And, and, and those are the things that we do and hinder the Holy Spirit from flowing. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is not about God getting more. You know, sometimes we say, Lord, I want more of you, I want more of you. And God is saying, no, it's not about you getting more of me. It's about me getting more of you. Because I have given you all, but you have taken all the parts. When we allow the Holy Spirit to come and to occupy by our surrendering, he comes and he takes control. But I'm mindful that the way we began, where Paul says, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but wise. It takes a man or woman who is wise to desire to live an extraordinary life. It takes a man and a woman who is wise to desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It takes a man and a woman who is gifted with wisdom and, un and understand God's will to desire more of, of God than what you currently have. Because it's easy. It's easier to just live knowing that when you die, you let me tick off. So I do my devotion. Tick. I read my Bible in and out of when it's not even required. Tick. I sing songs. I worship at home. Tick. But what else has God called us to do? What else, what other opportunities have we missed? And God is saying, I cannot occupy you because you're wasting your time when I have things that I could have given you to do. I've given you things to do. But you have wasted the time. You have not surrendered. And that is disobedience. All of us, all of us, if we stop and we think we have missed the mark and we cannot be filled, because the things that are inside of us are taking, taking precedence over the, over, the, over the Holy Spirit. So we have him, but we have him just enough, just enough 
that we are guaranteeing. It's like going to the bank. And you, you think your one deposit today or tomorrow can fill the, the, the bank vault? No. You have to keep going and going and going. And even when you keep going, you cannot fill it. And the Lord is saying, the deposit that I give you when you came to know me is not enough for you to live the life I have called you to live. You need to be filled. And so what God is saying to us this morning through, through Ephesians 5. That I have called you to carefully walk. Walk circumspect. I've called you to pay attention to the way that you live. I've called you to pay attention to the way you conduct your life and your fears of your life. I've called you to pay attention to, the, to your thought life. What is the thought that consumes you the most? Is it things that you consumed with God? Or are you consumed with your life that is in a little box? Because as, as, as Francis Chan says, this is the time we have on earth and none of us know. Because when I spoke to Carlene that Wednesday, she didn't know. Her friend came in Thursday morning and I said to her, okay, I'm going to allow you to spend some time with your friend. And I called her after. Carlene was dead Saturday morning. So she did not know, I did not know, I would call her Thursday, I would call her Friday. None of us know the length of our time on earth. And God is talking to all of us, he's talking to me. Be careful how you live. As unwise. Be careful that you, your, your time is not unwisely spent. That you are making the most of every opportunity that I give you to be a witness. Because that's what he says. He says, when his power, when his spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness in Judea, in the Jerusalem, into the Samaria. And so we need to stop and think this morning. What is God saying to us? Am I satisfied with us being indwelt? With the Holy Spirit? Or do I need more? And more is not at the same status quo. It's not the same way we operate Having been filled is a notch. It, it notches up. It, it, it's not the way that we operate. It's not the way we just do. This is the thing that we need to do. Nobody can say that we have not done enough to be a Christian. It's not enough. That is what God is saying to me. It is not enough the way you live. It's not enough. It is not enough. Yes, you may be doing that. Yes, and I see that. Just like the pastor said, I see that hand, I see that. And God is saying, yes, I see that deed. I see that deed. I see that deed. But it is not enough. It is not enough. If you desire to live the way you God had intended you to live. I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to the Lord and the impression I got in my mind that the Lord was saying to me that you are not the way I created you to be. 
I created you with a purpose in mind, a plan in mind. I had things in mind and, and life experiences came and it shaped you. And even though it shaped you to how you are now, I want to take you through life experience, with the experiences to where I intended you to be. Because even that is part of where I'm taking you. And I'm saying, God, because I want to be what you have created me to be. And then life comes and it bombards you. And life tells you, if you're not doing this, you, you are not normal. Because that's what society says. The world says to you, you need to be doing this. To, to, to live. You need to be doing this. You need to own this. And you, and you run. And we were talking, we were having a conversation the other day with, 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 with Kirk. And we were talking about um, America is the only place where people work so hard. And we're looking at the lifestyle of an American as opposed to any other part of the world. And in America, everybody is running after the, the mighty dollar. Working hard and trying. And if you earn a dollar, you try to spend a dollar ten. And if you earn two dollars, you try to earn, spend two dollars fifty. You're always trying to live because the more you earn, the more there's another level to go up because you're called to another level. You need to change your car. You need to change where you live. And it is calling you and, and, it, and it is consuming us. And God is saying, no. It takes wisdom for you to understand that my will for your life goes beyond the very things that are around you now. It takes wisdom for you to understand that I need to fill you. Also this morning, I am mindful that there are some that may not even understand what it means to be indwelled because you have not, you're not at that place. The first step was not taken. You did not surrender. You have not reached that place of making Jesus your Lord. And we, as we share this morning, it's not rocket science. No mathematical equation. It's just about a man coming or a woman coming before the Lord and saying, God, I have sinned. I have, and even if you did not commit any sin, which I doubt you haven't, just by, just by being born, you're a sinner that needs that redemption with the God the Father. And Jesus is saying to you that if you come before him this morning, acknowledging with your, with your mouth that he is God and confessing with your mouth that you have sinned and then recognizing that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead and you believe in your heart. It is as simple as that. It is simple as a one, two, three. Whatever you believe about Christ, believe that he is God and confess that he is God and ask him to come and be your Lord and Savior. It is simple. He comes and he does the rest. And then there are some of us who have been saved for years and we have been moving on that same trajectory. Nothing different. For years we are on that same train. No highs, no lows. Just, just keep moving. More than likely we go more lows than up highs. We may come back to where we were. And God is saying, no. I have called 
call you to live wisely, not unwise. Do not be caught up with the things around you that are bombarding you and taking and going after your time. Make the most of every opportunity that you are given. The time not only is evil, the time is short. Understand my will for your life. And the only way you can navigate through life and be successful is when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. After this morning, I, just, I am mindful that the Lord is speaking to me. I know that he's speaking to me. I know that because I heard from this week, I realized there's a particular way he's going. And I know that this message is for me, is calling me to be wise. Stop running down the things, and I know what I'm running down. And you know what will cause you to be unwise if you're unwise. You know what you need to surrender if you need to surrender for the Holy Spirit to fill you. You know the missed opportunities that you have had in the past that you cannot redeem. But you are at the place that you can say to God this morning, God, I do know, I no longer desire to miss the opportunities. I want to redeem them. I want to seize them. But I can only do this by understanding your will. And as I said before, it's not rocket science. Understanding God's will it comes from surrender. It comes from asking him to show you. And so this morning we want to change how we do what we do. I want all of us this morning to just to stop and to think. Stop and think. We do not know what the next hour holds. But he who holds it knows, right? And so this is an opportunity we are giving, we are getting, I'm going to use the word that we are getting again to speak to the Lord. Have you been living wise or unwise? That's a question you must answer. Have you been making most, making the best of every opportunity that God has offered you? Have you understand God's will and what he has called you to do? And are you ready to do it? And if you are already doing it, are you operating from being filled? It's a question that we must ask, answer for the next step of our life, our next journey. And I'm mindful that some persons are going to be satisfied where they are. Because they feel that they are okay. And, and we all, people are at different places. But it's something that you have to answer. And if you feel comfortable that you are where you need to be, fine. Just say, Lord, thank you. I'm where I need to be. But if you aren't, this is the moment that we're going to be going before the Lord individually. And we're going to be praying and asking him to help us. Help us to be at that place where we are not satisfied just being indwelled.
We want to see those around us being healed. We want to see those around us. We want to see the miraculous thing happen. We want to see salvation come to our family members, to our loved ones, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to those that we meet on the road. We want to see, we want to be at that place. I want to be at that place that I can step out through that door and anybody the Lord says to me, share me and I can speak to them with, with confidence and boldness. I don't have to wonder or to worry or be fearful that they're going to reject me. No, I can confidently speak because that's what I see. I've yet to see someone in the scriptures who filled that fear came upon. Peter, bold, ordinary man, unschooled man, was able to speak. And 3,000 came to know the Lord. Stephen facing death yet did not waver imagine facing death you know you could change your story you could tell them you know what i thought that i believe that but i really now know that something is wrong with my mind but he stood in the face of death being stoned and think about it it's not as if they shot him and it was one shot think about how many stones he would have had before he died and they stoned him to death and even then he never changed his conviction that is a man who is filled. Jesus, we see, lived a life filled with the Holy Spirit. So anywhere that Jesus went, it was expected that something was going to happen. He overturned tables, never was afraid. He spoke about his father, seeing, doing what his father doing, and following what his father is doing. Can we, are we at that place? I am not. And so every week we meet here and, and, we, and, and we meet together and we do church. But I want more. I want more. I am not satisfied. And so this morning I just want us to go before the Lord individually. Because you know where you are. You know what you have done. You know the efforts that you have put into even be where you are now. And God is saying, you can't even do it. Just give it to me. When I show you the things inside of you, when I give you a green ball, when I present you a, a, a white ball, or whatever the white ball may represent in our lives, or when I show you the yellow ball or the green ball, whatever they represent, and I'm saying, that is thing inside of you, I cannot Occupy you with it inside of it. Just, he's saying, just give it to me. So Lord, here it is. You like this morning, we went to bed after four. Because I was preparing, preparing. And I wanted to go and get those balls at Walmart. And I was tempted, I said, I said to, to, to Kirk, I said, should I just go to Walmart now? Because I'm up. And he says, no, go in the morning. So we set the alarm. The alarm went off at, what, 8? And I said, no, 7? 8? 8 o'clock. And then he said, then when I got up, I said to him, you know what, set the alarm to go off another hour. And he says, 9? <laughs> and then I said, okay. And I just got up, you know what? I said, God, you are teaching me discipline. And I had promised the Lord before that once the alarm go, goes off, I am not going to roll over. I'm going to get up 
because it was my intention to get up at that time. And I said, Lord, you are teaching me to be disciplined. And it sounds simple. But if that is what he's teaching me now, that is what he's teaching me now. And if I disobey what he's teaching me, I cannot be filled because it may seem simple. He may be teaching me to, to lotion my foot. And it may seem simple, but that is what he wants me to do. Lotion your foot. And so I got up and I went to, to Walmart. And I got the balls. Because I wanted them from last night. Because if I'd known what I was going to share this morning, I would have gotten them from in a week. And the Lord is showing me, he said, listen, simple thing that I'm speaking to you about to stop doing. If I said to you, stop drinking coffee. Not a big thing. Coffee is not sinful. But coffee, uh, he's saying, stop drinking coffee for whatever reason. I remember a friend of mine told me this week that coffee is what the Lord is telling her to stop. And she said she stopped for a good month. And she went somewhere and, she, and, and the smell. And she had one cup and she got sick. And so she understands it. And it's nothing is wrong with coffee, but it's just teaching her obedience. That's all. And maybe what it, it will do to her body. Who knows? As I don't know what God is teaching you this morning or what He has been speaking to you about for the week, but I know what He has been speaking to me about. I know where He's calling me to go. I know what He's saying to me, the things inside of you that you need to lose. I know it. I know it. I can't tell about the new thing he's going to add, but I know what he's working on now. And he's saying to us, just trust him. We sing this song, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water wherever you may call me. Take me deeper. And then we say, Fill me up till I overflow. I want to run over. But when we start running over, the thing inside of us is going to come out, right? It is so. Initially, I pack the thing too tight. But Lord, thank you, Jesus. So Lord, here I am. Here we are. Lord, I hear your word so clear to me. Normally, Lord, you would have spoken to me in a week. And then through the same message, and then I would deliver it on a Sunday, having heard you spoke. But even as I speak this morning, I am hearing you call me so clearly. I am hearing you instructing me and commanding me so clearly. And Lord, it is my desire to be filled. I don't want to be filled to, to be seen by men and women. I don't want to be filled, Father, for a person to see me and to, to be in awe of me. I want to be filled so that I am effective in your hands. I want to be filled, Father God, so that you will be pleased. So like Jesus, I can say, Father, I have glorified you on earth. Father, this morning I come to you wanting to live as one who is wise. Why? Because I seek your wisdom and it's from your wisdom that I live. Not from the wisdom of the world that tells me what I need to do and what I need to have and where I need to go. 
and what I need to be doing to look as if I'm living. I want your wisdom and your wisdom dictates where I should be and what I should do and what I should even have and, and how I should live and how I should think. Lord, you know the things inside of me and so this morning, Lord, even as you bring them to my mind, I give them to you. I surrender the way I know how to surrender. So Spirit, lead me where there are no borders. Lead us this morning where there are no borders. Lead us, Father, where there are no borders this morning. I want to be occupied. I want to be influenced. I want to be guided, God, and controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that will teach me how to live in every facet of my life as a mother, as a wife, as a friend, as a daughter. Lord, teach me how to live so that you may be pleased. I desire more of you. But you are saying, no, you desire more of me. And so, Father, may I be at that place today, now, that I will no longer be satisfied with what life has to offer. I will not run after the things, Lord God, I will not run after the things that the world is telling me that I need to have. But I will be satisfied with you. I remember this week when you showed me that when you called Peter, you called him to leave his profession and all the other men called him to leave their profession and they were men who provided for their families and in those times, Lord, the woman didn't work. So imagine calling a man, calling Peter from being a fisherman and saying to him, go, I send him, sending him today without a purse. Next time you send him with a purse, with things, and you're teaching him to depend on you. And you're saying to me this week, you say, but I provide for his family. They were never hungry and naked. So if you trust me, I will do the same for you. Lord, I thank you this morning that you don't leave me in my stupor. You don't leave me in that place where my sin, where my life is deserved because of my sin. But you come and you're saying to me, there is a better way. There is another way. And so Father, here I am. Here I am, Lord. The song comes to my mind, it says, here I am, Lord, I hear you calling I will go, Lord, where you lead me, and I will hold your people in my heart. Lord, that is my cry this morning. Give me a heart for people. Give me a heart. Give me a heart like your heart, God, that I'll be ready to go on the highways and the byways and I'll tell others about you. Give me a heart like yours, God, that goes beyond where I am 
that see a soul alive as one that is lost without you. Give me a heart, God, like yours. Lord, let me not waste any more opportunities. Let me not spend all my life trying to, to live for this temporary life. Who knows if I have 40 more years to go? Who knows? Who knows if I have not already lived most of my life? Who knows? But Lord, whatever I have left, may I make the most of it. May I seize and redeem the time. May I seize every opportunity you present before me. May I not be so consumed with serving me that I miss what you're calling me to do. And so Father, this morning I just ask you to come and fill me. And if that's the cry of anybody else's heart that is listening this morning, God, fill us up. Fill us up, God, to that place of an overflow. Fill us up, God. Fill us up. Because the scripture says, be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. And in, for some of us, Paul, it may not be alcohol. It may not be saying, be, 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 do not be drunk and wine. But he can be saying, do not be consumed with yourself. Do not be concerned and, or consumed with your needs. Do not be consumed or be concerned, overly concerned rather, with the things that are in your life operating now, but be filled. And Father, I surrender all this morning. So I give you thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name.
Lord. We are thankful for your word to us. Lord, let us have a week filled with your presence and with your mighty power. Lord, we thank you that in the small things that we will be diligent and obedient. So Lord, thank you again and have our lives to reflect you in any era we are, in the workplace, at home, even if we are walking on the street. Continue to fill us with your presence. So have a wonderful week. And may the love of God, His precious Holy Spirit, be, rest, and abide with you always. In Jesus' name, Amen. Be filled. Thank mm-hmm. you.